0: In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation and as always it's great to be with all of you. And every Sunday is a day in which we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is a day of great joy. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. And St. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord, I say it again, Rejoice in the Lord. So I pray that for all of you this would be a day of great rejoicing as we celebrate every Sunday the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the day the Lord has made, let us be glad and rejoice in it, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. That being said, <coughs> I'd like to um, begin our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Of course, Mary has many wonderful titles. Mary is the Mother of God. Mary is the Mother of the Church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. And when we pray the Hail Holy Queen, we invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's invite Mary to be with us as we celebrate Sunday, the day in which we celebrate the Lord's victory, His resurrection, the Paschal Mystery. Pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now, my friends, let's invite to be with us our spiritual director. Our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. What a blessing it is to have the Holy Spirit as our spiritual director and our guide. Holy Spirit has many wonderful titles. And among which would be he's known as the Paraclete. Holy Spirit is also from the catechism of the Catholic Church. It's also known as the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet guest of the soul. Holy Spirit is also known as our counselor, counselor and consoler. Holy Spirit is also known as our interior master. Saint Paul in his letter to the Romans chapter 8 reminds us with these words. We don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans. (coughs) Ineffable groans. so that we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's turn to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to pour into our minds abundant light. Also, that the fire of love would burn in our hearts. as we as we pray the classical prayer to the holy spirit and that is come holy spirit fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love send forth your spirit and they shall be created And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, it is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. <clears throat> well, Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made, and let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. So on this Sunday, I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance family, and as always, I'll be praying for all of you, and I'll place you on the altar even right now, when I'll be celebrating the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And by far, the greatest of all prayers is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. No greater prayer. So I'll place you on the altar and offer these specific intentions. Intentions. First, we'll be able to pray for all of us that we would be open to the workings and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Open to the working and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then we can say this prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come Holy Spirit, come. Come Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. The next. I'd like to pray for all of our families. that our families would be converted. Our families would be converted to the love of God. No greater enterprise in our life than to get to heaven. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world it loses the soul. And I'd also like to pray for the dying. We don't know the day nor the hour that the Lord is going to call us. Rather, it will come like a thief in the night. So let's uh, let's pray for the grace that we will be vigilant and prepared, which is really the gospel for today pray for the dying and let's pray for ourselves that we would be ready and prepared for that day in which the Lord will call us from time to eternity to be judged on the way that we have lived our lives. There we have it. So I'd like to enter into our conversation today by inviting all of us to rejoice in the Lord every Sunday is it in which we should rejoice in the Lord? Reminding all of us that the very heart and center the very heart and center (laughs) excuse me very heart and center of our life especially Sunday is the holy sacrifice of the mass it is the prayer par excellence when we pray the our father <laughs> we pray the our father we one of the petitions is give us this day our daily bread Jesus says man does not live on bread alone but every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. The second Vatican Council says we nourish ourselves on two tables. The table of the word of God and then the table of the body and blood of Christ. A double nourishment. Nourishment for our minds and nourishment for our souls. So let's, uh, let's dive into the riches of the Word of God today. Sunday Mass. Sunday Mass, we always have a triple nourishment. First reading, the Psalm, the second reading, and then the Gospel. So, let's dive into the riches of the Word of God. Just a brief overview for all of us. As you know, on Sunday we have a reading from the Old Testament. Then we have the Responsorial Psalm. The second reading is usually taken from the letter, one of the epistles of St. Paul. Then we have the Gospel. So today we've got Wisdom, Thessalonians, and once again the Gospel of St. Matthew. Coming to the very end of the Gospel of St. Matthew as we head toward the end of the church year. We'll be celebrating the Solemnity of Christ the King, then we enter into the new church year, the first Sunday of Advent. So let's move into the first reading which is taken from the Book of Wisdom. Resplendent and unfading is wisdom and she is ready, readily perceived by those who love her and found by those who seek her. Okay, so the Book of Wisdom speaks about wisdom. Let's talk briefly about the first reading and the whole concept of wisdom. My friends, wisdom. Let's pray that we would be wise individuals. Wisdom, my friends, is It's actually one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So a brief catechetical review for us. Do you know the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? Once again, do you know the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? You receive the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit at the moment of your baptism. And then in confirmation they're fortified. So those seven gifts of the Holy Spirit would be wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, Fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord. Either Carmen or Sophie could maybe even write them down. I'll repeat. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord. Thank you, Carmen. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding perfect our intellect. Counsel connects our intellect to our will. Fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord perfect our heart or our will. According to St. Thomas Aquinas, the first one that should be operative is fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. But wisdom is the greatest of all the gifts. And we can define wisdom with these words. It's relishing the things that belong to God. I repeat, wisdom is relishing the things that belong to God. Spanish is saboreando las cosas de Dios. Sounds really good in Spanish, doesn't it? (laughs) If you know Spanish. Saboreando las cosas de Dios. Relishing or savoring the things of God. The analogy I sometimes give is when you took your your little children to Baskin Robbins the first time. And they got their first favorite ice cream cone. They are probably savoring every lick of their ice cream cone. Chocolate or pistachio. Or whatever it might be. So wisdom is relishing the things that belong to God. So as a child relishes his first ice cream cone from Baskin-Robbins, so we should be relishing all those things that are related to God. The manifestation of the gift of wisdom, wisdom operative in our lives. would be if you have a really desire or longing to be engaged in all of those things that belong to God which will lead you eventually to your eternal salvation. You really relish Your time of prayer. You relish going to mass and receiving holy communion. You relish praying the rosary. You relish coming before the blessed sacrament and visiting the Lord. You you relish receiving His absolution in the sacrament of penance. You relish going on retreats. You relish you relish reading the Bible. You relish reading in reading the lives of the saints. You relish talking to friends about God. All of those are fruits growing from the tree of wisdom. So all of those are manifestations of wisdom. So these are two verses that can help us to really grow in wisdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And everything else would be given you beside. And Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul? So let's pray for each other that the gift of wisdom would blossom and flourish within us. A person that is imbued and permeated with wisdom also is a person that doesn't want to keep his Catholic faith to himself. But also he wants to share his faith with others. And it's so true that one way in which we can grow in our faith one way in which we can grow in our faith is to share our faith with others. So that's, uh, that's apostolic zeal. And many of these virtues are interconnected. So let's pray that we would be wise people. And I like to just make a a comment on wisdom, that as Catholics, as Catholics we have to pray for the gift of perseverance. The Protestants say, once saved, always saved. We don't believe that. Rather we believe, work out your salvation in fear and and trembling. And it's this, my friends, we are together this morning at our Perseverance Conversation, our Perseverance Family. What a blessing. The fact that you're early logging into uh, spiritual talk is a sign of, of wisdom too. But if we don't use it, we lose it. All of us can We do not use it, we can lose it. We have to pray for the gift of perseverance. So I'd like to tell you a Bible story that is is—it's um, somewhat shocking, but it's true, and I think you know the story I'll tell you, relating to the fact that we can be wise, but we can lose our wisdom. The opposite of wisdom would be foolishness. That's right. The opposite of wisdom would be foolishness. And it's this. The wisest person in the world about a thousand years ago was the son of King David and his name was Solomon. When David died and young Solomon took over the kingdom of Israel, God asked Solomon to ask for whatever he wanted. Solomon did not ask for long life or money or pleasure or power or fame. He didn't ask for that. But Solomon asked for a wise and discerning heart. That's right. Solomon asked for a wise and discerning heart. And because he asked not for money or power, pleasure, fame, God was very pleased that he asked for wisdom. Consequently, God gave him wisdom but also gave him money, power, fame because Solomon was wise in asking for wisdom. But I think most of you know how Solomon ended his life how he ended his life. Solomon had his weak point. In St. Ignatius of Loyola, the 14th, 14th rule for discernment presents our spiritual life like a castle. Castillo which the enemy circles looking for looking for a weak point in the castle so that he can enter and plunder and steal that interior castle that Teresa of Avila uses also the image is our soul we all have our own kryptonite that's right we all have our own kryptonite we all have our own weak point we all have our fatal flaw And it's true. His weak point was the capital sin of lust. That Solomon had many concubines. One little child said Solomon had a lot of porcupines. The little child didn't know the difference between a concubine and a porcupine. But the weak point of Solomon was not that he had a lot of porcupines, he had a lot of concubines, but also had the sin of lust. The sin of lust. That was his kryptonite. That was his weak point. So, Solomon, who was the wisest man in the world, ends up by becoming... the foolish person in the world. Solomon, who was the wisest person in the world, ends up by becoming the foolish person in the world. So, in a certain sense, my friends, you people in this perseverance family, you have wisdom. I'm sure you do. But if we don't watch over ourselves, we're not vigilant examining our lives, examining our thought world, examining our feelings and emotions. Then we could surrender our wisdom And we ourselves can become foolish. So we have to pray for vigilance and, and perseverance. So that's my comment on the first reading. Let's uh, pray. Let's pray that The gift of wisdom within us would not stagnate, but rather that we would have the gift of wisdom growing and flourishment flourishing. Wisdom is relishing the things of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else would be given us besides. The response or real psalm, the antiphon, is wonderful. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. As the deer yearns for the running stream, so my soul yearns for you, O Lord my God. Wise people will be thirsting for God. St. Augustine said, O Lord, my hearts, O Lord, you have made us for thee. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. May we hunger and thirst for for God. That's really what wisdom is. St. Paul in his first letter to the Thessalonians speaks about the reality of death. I'm giving a series of talks to the parents of the children and teenagers in the parish. This past week in English, I introduced the people to the First Commandment by talking about idols. And I define an idol as any person whenever we place any person place thing idea above God that's the nature of an idol I repeat the idol we define as any whenever we put any person place or thing or any idea above God that's the nature of an idol. In other words, God has to be always number one in our lives. God has to be number one in our lives, always. In all times, in all places. Now, I went through many of the idols with the isms. And one I mentioned was agnosticism as well as atheism. St. Paul speaks today about those who have fallen asleep. What he's really saying is those who have fallen asleep and those who have passed away, those who have passed from this life to the next. If we are agnostic or atheist, then we believe that there is nothing, there is nothing beyond the grave. Therefore, those who are atheistic people, they really are there without any hope. What's the purpose of life if after death there's nothing beyond the grave? For that reason St Paul says if we don't believe in the resurrection of Christ that there is something beyond the grave then let us eat drink and be merry let's eat drink and be merry let's live it up Let's eat drink and be merry let's just let's just live it up There's nothing beyond the grave Eat, drink, and be merry, just live it up. And this common puts, it's Miller time, right? Eat, drink, and be merry, live it up. It's Miller time. Get all the guts to water blood. If there's nothing beyond the grave. But we believe that there is something beyond the grave. That takes us right to the gospel today. Today is the gospel. The gospel today is a parable. Jesus spoke by means of many parables. Today with the parable of the ten virgins. These parables are short stories that Jesus teach to communicate to us a very special lesson or message. So, somewhat of a paraphrase, I'd like to just present this parable to all of us for our own meditation reflection. Jesus speaks about the preparation for a wedding feast. And the wedding banquet hall is prepared. The wedding bride is present there. Back at the time of the Jews, the girls would marry at a very young age. Once they were betrothed, there was a certain wedding feast that was celebrated and the bride would have her friends in the banquet hall, and others would be entering in. And this would be celebrated in the late afternoon and the evening. So this is the way it's presented. There were ten women, ten virgins, five were foolish and five were wise. Now back 2,000 years ago, obviously we didn't have electricity, we didn't have light the way we have it today. So if someone were to travel, they'd have to travel by means of a lantern. That lantern would have to be nourished by oil. So there'd be the lantern, there'd be the flask of oil to keep the lamp burning. So if you ran out of oil, that means your lamp would be extinguished. So Jesus presents, there were ten virgins in the banquet hall, Five were wise and five were foolish. The foolish ones didn't have enough oil for their for their lamps. So they turned to the wise ones and say, Well, can you give us some of your oil? The wise ones say, No, we won't have enough for ourselves. Go to the dealers and buy some for yourself. So the foolish versions go out seeking for oil from the dealers. As it happens when they leave, then the groom arrives unexpectedly. unexpectedly. And the groom closes the door to the wedding banquet hall And then the foolish virgins, the foolish virgins arrive at the wedding banquet. The door is closed. The wise ones are there with the other people that are celebrating the wedding banquet. The unwise ones come and they knock at the door and say, "Let us in." And the response is, no, the doors are shut. The doors are shut. And Jesus ends the parable by saying, Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. How are we going to interpret this parable of Jesus that we find in Matthew chapter 25? So I'd like to give you a symbolic, I've given you a paraphrase of the parable. Now so I'd like to give you an interpretation of the parable. Then I'd like to give you an application. So we've already given you the text itself, a paraphrase of the text. Let's turn to the interpretation. Then, from the interpretation to the application, because Jesus says that not all those who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but those who do the will of my Heavenly Father. So here's the interpretation The groom, the groom is symbolic, the groom who comes at midnight. To the banquet hall, the groom is Jesus Christ, who comes perhaps at the hour that we least expect it. He's the groom. The banquet hall. The banquet hall, my friends, is symbolic. I would say of two things. The banquet hall is symbolic of the church as well as the holy sacrifice of the mass. The holy sacrifice of the mass is our earthly spiritual banquet that we have to attend and celebrate at least every Sunday. Hopefully every day if it's possible. the other interpretation of the banquet is heaven so that if we participate and celebrate the banquet of the holy mass nourishing ourselves on the body and blood of Christ then we will have access to the eternal banquet Now, the wise and foolish virgins. Earlier we were talking about wisdom at the beginning of our talk, from the book of wisdom. The wise and foolish virgins. There are ten of them, five and five. they are symbolic they are symbolic of us we could like Solomon choose to be wise but also we could decide not to longer embrace wisdom we could be wise but also then we could end up by being foolish as as we mentioned in the case of king solomon We are free and God respects our freedom. He's not going to coerce us or force us. God respects our freedom. So, let's move on to the... Let's move on to the lamp... The lamp, the lamp as well as the oil. So you got the lamp, then you have the bottle of oil, and the bottle of oil is that which nourishes the lamp so that the lamp can be bright and burning. That's right. So the lamp is symbolic, my friends. The lamp, my friend, is symbolic of our soul. That's right. Try to see our our soul as being the lamp. Our soul is the lamp and that lamp should be burning bright. So relate the lamp to the bottle of oil. That's right, the bottle of oil. Now, what do you think the oil—the oil represents? The oil, my friends, by means of a symbolic interpretation, is symbolic, my friends. Of the grace of God. Okay, it's symbolic of the grace of God. So if the lamp has the oil, symbolic of our soul, our soul being symbolic of grace. The oil is the grace in our soul. Remember, years ago, with I was traveling with my mother from New Jersey to Michigan. It was a long drive, and there seemed to be something wrong with the uh, with the car. It was knocking. But there wasn't really something wrong with the car. There was someone wrong with the driver of the car and that was me. I simply forgot to put enough gas in the gas tank. I didn't put enough gas in the gas tank. And the car conked out in no man's land. How good God is that a man seeing us Stranded in the highway he stopped and he gave us a tank of gas, which was just enough for us to get to the nearest gas station, which was several miles away. Never since that happened whenever I'm driving and I look at my gas tank and it says the E and the F and the E is empty, the F would be the full. If it's halfway empty or halfway full, I always go to the gas station and make sure that I fill it up because of that bad experience I had about about 45 years ago. Really, the same can be applied to us. We want to make sure that our gas tank our spiritual gas tank our spiritual gas tank we want our spiritual gas tank my friends to be not empty but full and it's this If, my friends, if, my friends, this is the, the grace of all graces, the gift of all gifts, the grace of all graces, my friends, is to die in the state of grace. That's right. If we can die in the state of grace, then we'll be saved for all eternity. So Jesus is the, he is the, the groom. The banquet hall is the church and the mass and the Eucharist, as well as the banquet of heaven. The the ten virgins, the wise and the foolish, could be us. Could be us. The lamp is our soul. We all have a soul. The bottle of oil the bottle of oil is this is grace. Being without oil and the door closed would be separation. We're not going to be saved. So that entering the hall is symbolic of the church, the mass, but also heaven. So the practical interpretation of this parable, my friends, I think is very clear. If our spiritual tank is empty, then we gotta go to confession. That's right. We gotta go to confession. And we should strive to fill our spiritual tank with oil and gas all the days of our life. And the most efficacious means by which we can do that is to go and to receive Holy Communion with faith, fervor, and frequency. So, my friends, we go back to the first reading. Let's pray for wisdom. A wise person knows what's most important. A wise person is someone who lives out what Jesus says. Seek first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be given you beside. So, happy Sunday, my friends. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. I invite all of you, my friends, to share Invite all of you to share our perseverance message to the whole world. And I'd like to give you my priestly blessing. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father. The Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia. Alleluia. Alleluia.